The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Mayakoba Championship. It's storylines, it's best bets, it's one and done. And joining me to break it all down, Mark Immelman in what appears to be a newly, I don't want to say renovated, rearranged, redecorated studio. Uh, yeah, it was highly rearranged. If I had to turn this camera around, you'd see the mess that's around me because my fall now I'm at home and Tracy, my wife was like, you got to clean that place up. So <laughs> I was going through flags and stuff. And these two things were framed. Uh, it's the two masters champions that I've coached. And I figured, well, you know, what better place than to put them up there? I got 08 and Trevor and that's Larry Myers up at the top there. 1987 champion. And as we learned before we went hot, you are in uh, no shortage of flags. My friend, you are in like flag uh, heaven over there. There yes, we go. Here's my prize possession. That is the Masters Club from 2013, the Champions Dinner. Jack and Arnold in the middle. There's Tiger in the corner. Phil. That's pretty if cool, isn't it? If you're watching on YouTube, Mark is holding up a 2013 Masters flag that is signed by, what, every living Masters champion to that point? Because it was at... Yeah, the cool thing about this, it's got Doug Ford on here. Sadly, I think he passed away the next year, maybe the year thereafter. There's Billy Casper, Charlie Cootie. I mean, it's got everybody on you. This is this. Uh, I've got to get this framed and looked after. Yeah, you certainly do. Kyle Porter, KP. Um, we don't have any good stuff to show off you and I. Well, I've got all the all the Masters champions that I've coached. I've got their flags back, <laughs> which is which is zero. Uh, Every single one of them. I was thinking about this. Who who goes first on signing the middle of that flag that Mark just showed? Okay, we like, were talking about like, that. Like, how are you like, I'm a, yeah, you guys might've been talking about that before I jumped on, but who, who's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to go like, what if Charles Schwartz was like, mm, I think I'm going to go for the middle. Well, like, that's what, go ahead, Mark. No, no. I was going to say ordinarily, you know, Jack is the senior. Well, Arnold used to be the senior guide would always be the King first, then Jack and Gary player. You can see him over here. He never used to sign the middle of the flag while Arnie and Jack were around. Now, when Arnold passed on, I believe Gary does sign in the middle. And when they move along, then I'm sure it might be Tiger or Phil. And in years past, I'm sure it was Reed. Reed. Yeah. Reed. Imagine, yeah. imagine I, not it, knowing that yeah. rule, Kyle. And it and no. gets to you first, and you've got a blank flag. And you're like, oh, I won this thing last year. I'll just take the middle. No, nope. It's not good. I, I would probably try to sign. If I saw Arnold Palmer's name in the middle, Jack Nicholson in the middle, I'd probably sign the back of it. I would just flip it over and be like, ah, it's, it's on there somewhere. I, I don't know. Well, here's the secret. You see, if you look here, you see the initials on there? T.I.? Yeah, that T.I. I got Trevor to sign this for me at the dinner. 
So I'd sign somewhere over there just on the rope that connects to flex. That's good. That's that's where I would be. That is that is very self-deprecating and funny. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, Rick. All right, let's jump into it. Another day, another golf league. Uh, let me be oh. clear. I know. First of all, we talked a couple of days ago about, I don't even know what we're calling the Saudi league. Is that the super golf league? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's the super golf league, but the PGL, which remember is not the Saudi one, or at least not anymore. This is the British backed group. Uh, KP, they're actually trying a different angle here. And this is from Jeff Shackelford. Uh, the quadrilateral has some more information about this. They are actually looking to partner the PGL that is with the PGA tour in what is being described as a revamped model uh, that would turn the PGA Tour uh, out of a nonprofit tax, you know, charitable entity into a for-profit entity and kind of work with the PGA Tour on this. Yeah, which is, that's the move, right? And I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, like the best thing that happened to the PGL is the, the, the Saudi stuff. Because all of a sudden, this and the way I understand it, I think this is on that Shackelford piece, and Shackelford's been good on on the reporting here. Is a lot of this Saudi money used to be like associated with uh, the PGL, and they've kind of broken away. And that's, I mean, we've probably said it ten times on here. That's the best thing that can happen for the PGL is to be able to point over there and be like, "Well, we're not that, you know, like we're not trying to be that." Uh, and I think that I go back to what Seth Wall said at the PGA championship, um, about how, like, there's going to be a disruption, like that's inevitable in, in, in business. Right. And I'm, I'm interested to see if the PGA tour, you know, tries to even listen at all, you know, uh, Shackelford implied basically in that piece that they haven't, they won't talk to the PGL. They won't basically, they won't acknowledge the PGL and that's their prerogative. Like that's, that's fine. But I'm interested to see if that ever progresses beyond that, because I think there's some good like pillars of ideas within what the PGL is proposing. Now, does the PGA tour just pull a, a Tim Fincham with Greg Norman and kind of just swipe those and implement them on their own? Uh, maybe that's the play, but I think that there's, I think there's a lot there, specifically the team aspect stuff that we've talked all along is super compelling to people like us who follow. This is not for everybody, right? This is for people who are deep in the weeds like us. Um, this is not for your, like I tune into the NBA playoffs. Like the stuff that goes on in the regular season is not for me. I've, I don't, I don't follow it closely enough, but for the people who do, you know, for the people that do on the PGA tour, there's some compelling ideas in there. And, you know, it's not like the PGL's, um, like their motives are like, they want to make money and they want to like, I don't know if they want to take over or whatever, but it certainly looks a lot better. At least the, the, the optics of it, uh, when you're comparing it to the Saudis. So who knows where it's going to go? I feel like we just keep talking and nothing, nothing keeps happening, but I do think there's some some compelling stuff in there, and I think it'd be interesting if the PGA Tour either partnered with them or adopted some of it or, or something moving forward. The PGL's mantra, Mark, reformation, not 
revolution that is extending an olive branch and a, a hand to the PGA tour that the PGA tour has apparently not acknowledged to this point. And I imagine uh, will be difficult to get away from the charitable aspect because that has been one of, if not the key pillar for the PGA tour since its existence. Uh, yeah. You know, I was thinking about this when I went through the rundown for the call and I was reading through the stuff going, gee whiz, again? Because honestly, <laughs> I've got nothing. It's it's tiresome now. And I did find it curious. I've got two points to make. That Commissioner Fincham was, pardon me, Fincham, Commissioner Monaghan, uh, I was in maybe a Freudian slip there, has not um, reacted or responded at all to anything. And that was somewhat telling. And then they say they haven't heard anything about this memo that apparently Jeff Shackelford came about. So, so that was curious. And then to... Uh, Apparently, the PGA Tour must be an attractive product. If there are these, yes. two, uh, these two organizations going, well, goodness gracious, this is worth our while. You've got LIV or Live or Live or whatever they are, and now these folks, they back at it. So this, mu this must be a pretty attractive thing that folks have come around for, what's this, go number three, Kyle? And they're still trying to figure out a way to either not create a revolution, but now say, we're going to help you refresh and refurb and, and build up your product and make it more viable to the, the athletes. The truth is, for these athletes, it's very, very viable. And, and I see more of the same sort of transpiring where the folks down there in the sort of 75 to 125 and then sadly beyond area, there's nothing in it for them. So the complete membership are like, all right, the rich are getting richer. Well, what's happening with us over here? Now, unless I haven't read deeply into this memo enough, Again, I said I don't have very much, but that is just a question I had. If you're wanting to make it enticing to the tour and all of the players, you make sure all of the players benefit. Now, there was a clause in there. I think you got it in front of you where they said, well, 10% of the monies, they broke it down into bits mm -hmm. and bobs there where 10% was going to the corn ferry folks. Yeah. I'm like, that's all fine and dandy. What about the guys who are trying to keep their card every year and are making a pretty penny with the current arrangement that the PGA Tour have in place? It, it is it is interesting, KP. My there, this is going to change seemingly every single week until something happens. But uh, the larger the larger point for me, golf business is booming right now for golf. The the, the world of golf. Yeah, and I think what's interesting here is that there's um, <clears throat> there's room to improve on every front. It seems like you know the the tour has basically announced that by introducing the. The player impact. What's it called? Player impact program. Pip. Pip. They basically they basically admitted like, ah, we can probably do a better job of rewarding our stars, right? And is what they did enough? I don't know. I I think if you look at the market, like if you just had like a pure marketplace, probably not. You know, it, it's. I mean, it's extraordinary to me if you look at salaries in other sports compared to what Tiger has made on the course. I mean, it's a joke. You've got, you've got journey, not journeymen, but you've got guys that if you look up the NBA all-time money list, there's guys ahead of Tiger's on-course earnings, which I think are at like 121 million. That it's like, wow, that guy's made more than Tiger Woods, and so I think I think there's room to to. Um, to reward the guys that are bringing in 90% of your, of your business, of your revenue of what goes on there. And then I think on the flip side, there's room to improve the product for, for fans. Like there's times when 
Um, and they've tried some stuff. I just, I, th- I think there's room to, to, to be better there, to grow there, to introduce a team aspect, to try some different stuff out. Um, I, I really think that product for fans could be better into the future. And, and maybe this is a catalyst for, for that. I, I, I hope it is. With $122 million earned in their career, Marvin Williams. There you go. A, apparently a power forward who played 15 years in the shout NBA. Out to, shout out to Mark's <laughs> Hawks. He was on the Hawks for a while, I think. He was. He was on the Hawks. He played some for the Jazz and then the Hornets before ending his career with the Milwaukee Bucks. Has made more money uh, in their respective sport. That's, on the see, court, that's, on the field that, than, than Tiger Woods. How do you how do you reconcile that? What do you do with that? That's tough. That's you tough know, to look at. But yeah, I'll talk to you as a golfer because Kyle, you're a baseball guy, correct? Uh, Rick, uh, I, I don't yeah. know where your sporting background lies. There's more of the same, right? Yes. When you get into golf as a kid, you kind of realize that it's a fringe sport. Growing up in South Africa, it's rugby and cricket, and then the big one is soccer, football. And golf, you know, if you're getting into that, you're playing for not very much. But if you make it big, then you can do pretty well. A la Ernie Els, Retief, my brother, a company like that. Uh, and it's the same thing uh, with golf in the United States. There's a whole lot more over here, which is why a lot of us move over here. Koreans, South Africans, Australians, you name it. You know, we're all coming. Uh, but yes, look, football, baseball are always going to grab the lion's share of the stuff. And that's just how it is. And if you're in golf, you know that. You get bred into that in college. I mean, the golf teams in college, Oklahoma State, your guys, they've had barnstorming teams for many, many years. But football is still a big gig around there, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I, But I think that's a tough message when you just sign a $700 million TV contract, right? It's tough to sign a $700 million TV contract and then turn around and say, well you know, it's kind of a fringe deal. Like it's kind of a, like the money is fringe compared to the NBA and NFL. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but it's, it's, it's something that the golfers are infinitely aware of, you know, how we fit into the hierarchy of stuff. Cause what's the, cause quickly, quickly, what's the NFL television contract worth? Yeah. 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 That, and, and yeah, that's fair. That's true. It has, it has a B, uh, you, next you know, you, you know how I know that golf is sort of down the list of things of importance. We all work for CBS. Big guy when the, in Torrey Pines next year, 2022, we're ending on a Saturday so CBS can show the AFC championship on the Sunday. And I think the, I think the flip side of that argument is, is, you know, the PGA tour rolls out a $40 million pit program or pit, whatever it's called. <laughs> and it's like, Oh wait, we just like, this was just there. Like you, you could have done this before the, all the PGL and super golf league stuff. So it's, I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. And I think it's, I think it's mostly right and true, but I do. I, I mean, the PGA Tour has essentially said, with the implementations that they've made, "Hey, there's, there's, there's more to be had there." And I think that's the part that is that's going to be intriguing uh, going into the future. Uh, I've got to get to another topic, but KP, random trivia time. Let's go. Le- LeBron James through this season, through 2021, career on court earnings. Now you know Marvin Williams has made 122. There's your reference point. So first number that popped in my head was 260. Ugh, that's pennies. That's that's, pen, that's peanuts, man. Come on. Now. He couldn't. He couldn't survive on 260 million. Try higher. 400. All right, that's that's more in the ballpark. 387 million. Okay. On court. 
Well, I mean, the first couple of years, it's not, it's just not that much. And now I guess now he's making like, now he's making what, 45 a year or whatever. Yeah. Not so bad. That's great. (laughs) Not so bad. The, if you like confusing new changes to the game of golf, I've got another one for you here because uh, (laughs) greens reading books, Mark, are going to be different next year, which I also find it interesting that this happens in the middle of a season. I know that they do this on the calendar year, but this is now going to happen in the, uh, this change is going to happen in the middle of the season. And uh, these green readings books, and I think you have one there that you can kind of show us, uh, they're going to look a little bit different. There's going to have to be a committee approved book. You're not going to have as much uh, in theory um, technical details that you would have seen on a greens reading book about the percentages of slope in certain areas. All that stuff is going to have to be done by hand and by memory now. Yeah. Well, first off, this is, this is nothing new. This has been coming for a while. Rory McIlroy and company, the guys on the players advisory council have been basically telecasting that that this is going to come down the pike. So, so it's happened. I, I think it's a good deal because for anyone who's watched golf for any extended period of time, there was a time when, like, this is the a typical standard issue PGA Tour yardage book. It's made by Mark Long. He's called himself the Tour Sherpa. And a typical thing would look like that. You can see there's the whole diagram. There's the whole broken down with yardages and such. And you can see the greens there. And that's just a give us a Jacob, give us a zoom in on that if you could. Can we solo Mark on this? Thank you. So that's, that's the awesome. green in the yardage book. There's the yardages and such. And there you can see carries over bunkers. I've got appropriate carries highlighted for quick reference. So you can see there, there's whole locations for Saturday. That's round three and Sunday. And the blocks there are five-yard increments, five yards across. Now, back in the day before the USGA came out with that rule and essentially abolishing that, players used to print that out, expanded, and then the highlighted or whatever the term was that you used there, the expanded information, that was done by a company called Strackerline, where they had, however, charted these greens and measured them in colors, mm-hmm. showing slopes and then showing numbers percentage-wise of the slope. So you could put the flag location like I did because you get that before the round over there, and you look at the sheet and you go, oh, well, I'm on a 2% slope. And if you aim point the thing, you can figure out, okay, exactly what the line is. And the only information you don't have is the exact green speeds because that has an influence, obviously, on the line of stuff. And then they x that idea because you saw folks showing up there with almost an A4 book with 18 flaps there that were sometimes laminated even. And then they said none of that, and then they said it's got to be a certain size, and that's what you see here in the book. Now they're saying that, um, uh, I don't know, that uh, you've got the, 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 the vernacular there, but like you can on certain things, when I've been out there, I might have drawn a line on a green like you can see over there, I just did in a highlighter because they've already got some lines in there where there might be an elevation. And I've shown, well, it's pointing that way, but the ball tends to move in the opposite direction. So it's that sort of stuff that you can still insert. But I'm finding it hard to see how they're going to enforce this thing. I just think that I think the Greens reading book, which was a separate book to this, that's going away. All you can have is a yardage book that has each green in. But because there was a, a separate book with color coordinates inside there that was the that was the gradients and every like all the yeah yeah. read the read the thing here's the verbiage yeah this is uh this is point c of a a larger 
memo, but I think this is the one we're talking about here. So it says handwritten notes that could assist with reading the line of play on the putting green will continue to be allowed in the approved book. However, such notes will be restricted to only those made by the player or the caddy and must be derived from the experiences or any observations of a ball rolling on a green. This includes observations from a TV broadcast. You can transfer handwritten notes, et cetera, et cetera. You're not allowed to use devices, levels, or other technology. Now, KP, uh, that opens up the door of how could you possibly enforce that, right? Like what is from experience or what's stopping me from just transferring my notes over and saying, oh yeah, I remember every single, you know, gradient that there, that there was, it feels unenforceable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could, you could perform a, like an audit at every event. Right. I mean, I mean, seriously, like, like they do with the, this, or they should do, they theoretically do, I think with the CT testing right with drive like hot drivers and hot yeah uh and that would you know i, I guess keep it down but i, I mean how, like when a player is transferring his notes over he, like does do they all remember where they got everything like if you wrote something down that you i, I don't know it just seems it does seem a little dicey what are you gonna say mark uh, no, I wanted to add to that. Rick, I want you to read that again, and specifically the last part, because that slipped by my attentions, and it was something about using levels and green reading paraphernalia, right? Yeah, the last line of this, uh, so I'll, I'll read you the sentence before too. So transferring previous handwritten notes that also meet the new restrictions into the approved book is allowed. No devices, levels, or other technology may be used to gather information to be kept as notes, and no information may be copied from another source into the approved book. There to me is the key, because there are individuals like Bryson DeChambeau that will go out there and they'll set a level, like a builder's level down on the ground, and you percentage <laughs> slopes, and then you can write that into your book if you have time enough. And a lot of guys do that, or they go via the place, places like Augusta National and such, and they get it in weeks leading up to that thing. So you've got some expert out there doing the work for you. So I think that is the crucial observation. And the only thing that, you know, that I question, like I've seen guys' books from Augusta National. And they have the same book there since they've had since they first played. And every time you hit a putt that performs opposite to what you think, you just draw a line in there in certain hole locations, and they know where they're going. So that's years upon years of information that got stored in there. And someone may trade a line with someone else, but I don't think that's enforceable. I think the real deal is if you start using mechanical devices to set it on a green and go, all right, well, this thing slopes 2% in that direction whatever the case might be, that is a crucial information. But I think that's my question is like, let's talk specifically about Augusta because that's not a place where they have the, the detailed grade, you know, the, the lasered books. So that's actually a place where if Bryson sets a level down and these are all just bright, like we, we're going to have a whole section of the USGA rule and RNA rule book. That's just the Bryson section. We've got compasses. We've got this, we got driver length. I mean, it's absurd how many rules he's engendered. But if 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 he sets a level down and says, okay, this is 3% here, but then somewhere else he just kind of read it with his eyes as 3%, how, do, how does he remember which one that he did with with which device, either his eyes or his, or his tool? Because one is allowed. You're allowed to transfer that over. And one is not allowed anymore. Like you can't put that in these new books. And that to me is like, how do you put that? 
I mean, I, I understand why this is happening. It's just for a player has to be frustrating for the onus to be on you to remember where you got all this information. I think, I think if you were to put a cap on this, Rick, um, you won't see someone like a Jordan who's got two yardage books. He's got this one and then he's got the greens book. You won't see two books anymore, but that's, that's essentially what it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I, I I want to move on, but Kyle, you you I can't I can't let this go. You said you understand why this is happening. I don't. Why 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 are they doing this? Uh, because I think that uh, uh, I I think I think the reason, like I don't know if this is the reason. I think this should be the reason. I think it brings. I think when you're using math you're using these because that's essentially what you're doing right you're just you're you're bringing more math into the equation these yardage or these green green reading books that are just math problems when you take that out i think it reintroduces a level of skill because i think that that what like without those books i think you have to have more skill to kind of navigate the 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 greens and the way you putt and the way you kind of kind of interact with these greens. And I think that that's a, I think that's a good thing for the game. And I hope honestly, like I hope it happens more so with other technology, with the ball, with the, with clubs, because I think that there are ways, and this is not a path we want to go down right now in terms of talking about it, but there are ways that you can reintroduce, I I think more skill back into the game. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think, because I could be talked into either way. Does this help? the stars of the game more or does it help guys that are lesser players more because i think it helps the stars a little bit because those are the guys that have good intuition that trust themselves that are mentally sound and i think it helps guys like that more than it helps lesser players but i could be talked into the other way around well your point is well founded and, and i'll counter with this green's reading is a skill um but then the ability to start the golf ball on the line you picked at the correct speed, that's correct. a skill in itself. Mm-hmm. So there are two skills involved, but picking the right line, certain folks just don't see it. And that's why the advent of aim point for argument's sakes, where folks might not see the slopes as much. So they use their feet and they can sort of sense gradient. So there's that involved. So it's bringing back of the skill. And then to who it aids, I will always go back to an observation Nick Price made to me way, way back. And Nick could hit the thing unlike anyone I think I've ever seen. He hit the ball so squarely all of the time. And he moaned about technology coming into the game, the new driver, the fast ball, all the stuff every day, twice on Tuesdays and Thursdays, still moans about it because it leveled the playing field to a certain extent. You know, with an old ball and an old driver and a bad shaft, you had to be super skillful to control that thing. Nowadays, you get fit for equipment. They're basically made to order, if you will, and it's made to what you do, and you didn't necessarily and don't have to fit yourself to the club like the old golfers did. So all of the sort of stuff, the fringe things, like I've got an app on my phone. I gave a lesson today. Individual struggling to read green, so I had him read the green, and this app on the phone called Pro Read, you lay the phone down, and it shows you the percentage of slope and where it's going uphill or downhill. So I'm like, what do you see? And we put the thing down and then he'd start to go, okay, well, I see what that sort of looks like. So it was a way to galvanize his belief in himself. So all this stuff just, it it levels the playing field a little bit. So you think, 
so you think it benefits the stars who are probably more intuitive than the than the I think I think that's right. I think so I, too. I'm not sure. Can you imagine? Necessarily... Can you imagine a player at the Masters using that app? By the way, in the first round, it wouldn't, it wouldn't last very long. <laughs> I'm about to I'm about to download it right now. Sounds good to me. I don't think it's necessarily the star. I mean, it's like Bryson's a star, and he's very heavily involved in the math. Right. And he's very heavily involved in what the gradients are or what the what the variables are. I think you have three variables. You have speed, direction, and then being able to start your ball on that line. Right. There is when you give when you give everyone two out of the three variables, um, I think that helps the lesser player. So now that hey, there's Rick, gonna be three variables in place, I think it helps the better players. Rick, I'm not getting paid for this. Yeah, you go. It's called tour read. You see there tour you can punch read. In- you can punch in the length of the putt. You can vary it, the speed of the greens, and then you lay this thing down on the green and you punch it and it tells you what the slope is. See, I think, I think, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right, Rick. Um, but I also think this might, like, if guys are going to try to recreate the the gradient stuff that has been given to them over the years, I think Bryson's actually going to be pretty decent at being able to do that because he's so deep into it already. Um, now, I guess you could argue like whether guys that just have ignored all that will like, they will probably will, will benefit from it. It won't be a difference to them. Right. And so maybe, maybe there's some like differentiation there, but if everybody had to like figure out gradients and, and try to read things with their feet and all that stuff, I think Bryson actually will be pretty good at that because he does it so much already. So I, I don't, I don't think it's going to negatively affect him as much as people might think it will. No. The one thing about the pro golf is these guys adapt and they have to adapt on the fly because remember this. And like when we talk about the, the greens books at Augusta, it gives you an overall impression, but it's not an exact impression. Even if you've got greens percentages, you could exactly chart where you are on the green and how fast the ball is rolling because grass grows throughout the day. And so greens, should get a little slower and you might hit a hot spot and it might go faster. Or, so there's all of these variables at play. So you'll find guys constantly sort of chiseling on these lines if they're using a book at Augusta National. So it's no hard and fast rule. In the end, it just gives you an idea. So if the idea sort of helps you to believe in what you're doing a little bit more. So it galvanizes the confidence a little bit. Uh, but in the end, it's it's still up to green reading and then Picking the right line, hitting the right shot for the line you intend. I have lots of comments and questions about this, but we must move on. There is a golf tournament to be played this week in Mexico, El Chameleon, which KP seems to be doing the trick. We've got the strongest field in tournament history. Seven of the top 20, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Abraham Answer, to name a few. And Victor Hovland gets to defend a title for the first time in his career. Yeah, it's a great field. I think it's an interesting field for this course because a lot of the guys that you just mentioned are guys that are, are, are bombers are big hitters. And this is a course that you could probably argue is the least rewarding to big hitters, long drivers uh, of any on the PGA tour. It rewards. I mean, look at the winners here, Brendan Todd, Matt Kuchar, uh, Brian, Brian Gay, Gay is one here. Uh, I mean, it's it's a list of guys that uh, just don't have a ton of pop off the tee. 
And so you're kind of, you're kind of, I think that's, what's going to be interesting this week is do you get a guy like that? Can a guy like that outlast a plethora of guys like Finau, JT Brooks, Victor, who are, who are massive off the tee or just one of those guys like what happened last year with Hovland kind of overwhelm the, um, the, the ability, like, like the, the guys that are, that are high, uh, accuracy guys off the tee. I think that's, I don't know if that's the storyline of the week, but uh, I think it's, it's one of them going into this tournament. One of the most unique courses on the PGA tour, Mark, kind of right. I mean, the, the way it's kind of described is three different landscapes through the mangroves, the oceanfront property, and then kind of the jungles, which uh, can be a little bit jarring to some of these guys over 18 holes. Yeah. It's single file around there. I haven't been, but I've been in the area and I've been to one or two golf courses and, and the changes in topography are awesome. Uh, the grass takes some getting used to. It's paspalum, which you know certain folks will have an advantage on because it, it basically works from tea through green, just cut at different heights. And for me, you you ask about what the storyline is. It's fantastic accommodations and margaritas. And at the end of a very long <laughs> year. You know, you you're going to find guys out there with their families and they're going to be having a grand old time because what's this? The second or third to last event after a grueling year. So you're going to have guys out there not necessarily taking a load off, but the mood in this venue will be different. It's kind of like going to, you know, Maui for the Century Tournament of Champions. Folks out there just to kind of decompress. And so you'll have the folks that are grinding and working hard and then you'll have some of the stars that come in and say, Yo, anyone up for golf and then dinner afterwards? So there's that sort of a thing. So it's a light mood. So for me, it's always, it's curious to handicap from that point of view. Uh, and so I, I'm, I, I love the area. I love the golf course. I think Greg Norman did an awesome job with what they've got over there. And it's, it's, it's sort of prone to some wind, which is always fun too. So I know they shred the place. They shoot the grass off it, but it's still fascinating viewing. Pretty funny they're going to a Norman golf course this week, by the way. <laughs> he's, he's in the news. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Also, uh, my wife and I are going to be in Playa del Carmen after this season ends. So it's we're like 30 minutes from this golf course, I found out. So I've, I've been Googling El Chameleon Greens fees. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll sneak out there and, and get around in while I'm, while I'm in town. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, we got to do best bets. We have to do our one and done, the infamous one and done. And I can already see our current leader is a lone wolf for this week. That's a professional tweet tease. We'll get to that after a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. 
best bets for this week. This is where we go over to Caesars Sportsbook. We scour every single page, every single option, and we find one that we make the best. I will give you a little bit of uh, an appetizer here. We called the coach. He told us he's going with Billy Horschel, minus 120 over Scotty Scheffler. Mark, you have opted for one of your world-famous nationality bets. I can't remember what it is. Do you, do you want me to tell you what it is? Please do. Okay. Mark's Mark's world-famous nationality bet that he has made his best like bet. Irishman. Yeah, I got it. Top Irishman, Graham McDowell. Moment. Well, look, there's three Irish guys in the field. One of them is highly intriguing after um, what you pointed out last week, reckon that's in Shane Lowry. Seamus Power. The other one, Shane Lowry, hasn't played as far as memory serves since the Ryder Cup, perhaps. He played once. Okay. Did not play well. Well, so, you know, he's obviously in in, in download mode a little bit and just taking it easy. And and then I'm just fascinated with Graham McDowell. He played nicely last week in Bermuda. He's won on this golf course before. He's as accurate as anyone in the game still. And around a place like this that doesn't necessarily ask you to hit the ball a long way and crosswinds means you have to flight the thing down. I'm pretty pretty confident in betting GMAC at some pretty good odds. I can't remember what they were, but I just thought the odds on GMAC versus two other folks were, were just tremendous. If Graham McDowell comes out as the top Irishman, that'll get you three, two, one on your money plus 300. That is Mark's best bet. And KP, you and I have picked on uh, the same player here. I'm going with Will Zalatoris over Matthew Wolf. Uh, my reason for that is I was a little bit surprised to see them in a similar spot in the betting odds. Matthew Wolf's coming off the best short game performance of his career at Shriners. He still lost a stroke off the tee. That still concerns me when he's at his best. He's driving the ball well. So I went with Zal Torres over Matthew Wolf. And you also found a way to fade Wolf. Yes, I did. I went with uh, Taylor Gooch, three, three consecutive top 12s over uh, over Shane Lowry and, and Matthew Wolf. Uh, it was less about Wolf and Lowry, although Lowry, uh, like Mark said, has not, he didn't play that great in his, in his only event after the Ryder Cup. Uh, but Gooch has been awesome. You know, if you look at the guys in this field, last 20 rounds is kind of what I like to look at. He is sixth from T to green behind only JT Finau, guys of that caliber. So he, he's been playing some kind of sneaky good golf, and I like the, uh, the plus 163 odds there. Yeah, he is um, 40 to 1, Gooch's, at Caesar yep. Sportsbook, which is shorter than, or the same odds as Sergio Garcia, shorter than Joaquin Neiman, shorter than Keegan Brad. I mean, he's he's getting some respect here because of that great play that you are mentioning there, KP. Turning our attention to our expert picks. This is where we go through a sleeper, a top 10, and a winner. And look at this, Mark. You and the coach... You must have had a sleepover because you were on the same page with your sleeper here. It is Carlos Ortiz at 60 to 1. Well, he's played here before and he's played well here before. And it looks like there's that Mexican fan bump thing at a place where he's very comfortable. Um, I know the form coming in here isn't so great, but he is he's enterprising to me this week. And I, I, I sort of look for players who play well in certain times of the year. I don't know whether it's biorhythms or whatever the case might be. But last year, around this time, he won in Houston. 
So maybe this is a precursor to a little good form playing at home in Mexico, sort of a comfortability level. And I think in, in years past, he might have been runner-up here. We certainly had a top five. So, so I'm looking for Ortiz to turn ahead or two. That is Carlos Ortiz, 60 to 1 for Mark and the coach. KP, you are doubling down here on Taylor Gooch, 40 to 1. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in addition to what I said earlier, his his a lot of his um T D green play that's been so good has been on approach shots. So not necessarily with the driver, which like we talked about earlier, you know, you do, you, you do have to be pretty accurate, um, but you don't have to be you don't have to be long. You don't have to be great with driver this week. You do have to hit good approach shots and you got to make some putts. So that was kind of my reasoning there for, uh, you know, for taking him on what I think is kind of a hot streak. Yeah, it certainly might be. I'm going very deep down the board for my sleeper. I'm going back to Brian Gay. Everybody liked him last week. He finished T12. This is a place he's never missed the cut. He's got a couple of top tens. He's won here. Another course in this stretch of accuracy over distance. Brian Gay's 200 to one, which is certainly going to help with his top five, top 10, and top 20 number as well. Speaking of top 10, Coach is going with Tom Hoagie. He'll get you 11 to one on your money if Coach comes through with a Tom Hoagie top 10 and Mark you're going uh, with a guy who found victory recently just not here on the PGA Tour yeah I'm going with Billy Horschel and there's a bit of a tease to the one and done thing I, I had my eyes on him one for the form because he's a real confidence sort of a guy and when he gets going he plays well in spurts and um, he's a Florida boy so he's used to the sort of spiny strong grass and he's just a tremendous iron player and and Billy, just with the, the manner he has, when he gets confident, he, he carries that stuff on for a while. So um, I, I certainly had an eye on Horschel. I just, you know, I feel like he may contend and, he, and he's a worthwhile look for a top 10 this week. Plus 333 if he gets it done. I went with Aaron Wise. I'm going to save my stat because the stat that I have that applies to Aaron Wise also applies to Kyle's man. KP, your top 10, please. Uh, Abraham answer, honest Abe, you know, what the, the thing that he doesn't do well is distance off the tee. Like that's his, that's kind of his weakness. And, uh, like we talked about earlier, it's not a place where you have to be long off the tee. So, uh, he played, he played well in his last outing CJ cup. I think it was, uh, he didn't play Zozo. Did he think it was CJ cup? I don't think, um, so he's, I mean, his iron play is great and, yeah, I like him to top 10 this week. There are three golfers in this field who have hit 66% or more of their fairways and are gaining at least a stroke per round over their last 50 rounds. One is Aaron Wise. That's my top 10 pick. One is Abraham Answer. That's Kyle's. The other one, your defending champion, Victor Hovland. Moving on to our picks to win. I think that's the perfect segue for us, Mark, because you and I have landed on the same guy. And if it comes true, it means that will that Victor Hovland will successfully defend his title. Uh, yeah, I think it's the strength of the field. Um, he played beautifully in the Ryder Cup uh, and, and, you know, sort of came, fell on the wrong side of some of the matches over there. And you, you talk about the iron game, which is prolific. He drives the ball as straight as a string as well for as powerful as what he is. And, and the thing about Paspalum Greens is they're a little slower ordinarily and they have to keep them a little slower over there because of the tropical sort of environment and because the wind blows. And slower grainy greens mitigate putting skill. And so if you can hit putts firmly, it sort of takes away the nerve of having to brush a little five-footer breaking from right to left down a hill in. So 
if he does have weaknesses around the greens, uh, greens are, you know, pretty receptive over here. I think he'll have a field day. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the strength in the field. Billy Horschel was coach's pick 33 to one. We got 20 to one on Victor Hovland, Mark and I KP. We are in the same ballpark because you found a 35 to one version of Aaron wise for this week. Two top tens in a row. I picked him before I saw your stat about uh, being one of the only three guys in the field that, uh, what was it, is gaining a stroke off the tee and 66% accuracy off the tee? Gaining a, stro gaining a stroke per round in total and hitting 66% or more of fairways. Okay, okay. So um, accurate off the tee, but he's not, like some of these guys still lose, you know, a half a stroke per round. Right. Uh, you know, a uh, the proprietor of a great fantasy website that I follow uh, has told me that Aaron Wise figured out how to putt and the stats tell the same story. He's, he, I mean, talk about being on a, him and Taylor Gooch, I think come into this tournament as, as playing the most underrated golf of anybody in the field. They both got uh, two top tens on their last three starts. And I'm just, I think the numbers that they're at are, while they're a little shorter than maybe you would expect for them. I still think they're good numbers based on how they've been playing. You're not going to get an argument from me and we are going to go rapid fire here for our one and done picks because producer Jacob has another job to do and I got to get him out of here. Starting at the bottom, Sian Ajad, 284,000. He's going with Aaron Wise. Kyle Porter, 417,000. You're going with? Aaron Wise. Greg, 1.8 million is going with? Aaron Wise, the coach, 1.9 million is going with Billy Horschel. Jacob, 2.2 million going with Billy Horschel. I myself, 2.3 million going with Billy Horschel. There's a trend here, but not for you, Mark, because you're currently in the lead. You have 3.4 million and you are the lone wolf with an island to yourself. Who are you going with? Yeah, there were three guys I had my eyes on Horschel as I listed um scotty scheffler he was fascinating to me because i was trying to figure out okay he's worthwhile this week and he's been playing pretty well of late but i'm going with ortiz he's played well here and i figured i could use horschel late and i certainly will use scheffler later so i'm going with homeboy viva mexico Viva Mexico, Carlos Ortiz <laughs> for Mark Immelman. That will do it for your mega preview pod of this week's whatever version of the Mayakova Championship you want to call this. Uh, big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Mark Immelman. You can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter, it's at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.